Our second reading comes from Galatians. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers, sisters, siblings. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. However, if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. We celebrate the word of Scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word of Christ among us. Please pray with me. Holy God, in freedom we gather to worship you. As we draw near to your word, open our hearts and our minds so that we might be transformed and move into the world to bless the world you love so very much. So you may have figured this out by now, but I love the letters that we have from the Apostle Paul. It's pretty amazing. We have this collection of letters from Paul to a diversity of communities with a glimpse of what life was like nearly 2,000 years ago. Paul's traveling the known world, bringing the good news of God's love for us in Jesus Christ and helping form communities who live out that love. Paul proclaims this good news right into the midst of real life, into the mess of real life, the hurly-burly, the ups, the downs. They're trying to figure out who they are in Jesus Christ, what it means to follow the way of Jesus together. They write to Paul, and Paul writes back, and what we have in Scripture is some of Paul's side of that conversation, tackling the issues of their day. We get all that, and it's not always pretty. And we also find in Paul's writing some of the most beautiful expressions of love lived out in the reality of community and family and an often bewildering world. The words we sometimes read at weddings, love is patient, love is kind, and at memorial services. Nothing 
Nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus. Life-giving, truth-bearing, good news in the midst of real life. Every once in a while, though, when I'm reading one of the Apostle Paul's letters, I just have to stop and say, Paul, man, why are you so angry? Because Paul is not, he's not mild-mannered. And sometimes he gets quite worked up, like in Galatians. Galatians is a scorcher of a letter. Paul is fired up. Galatians is the only one of Paul's letters where the Apostle Paul doesn't thank God for the people to whom he's writing. He's barely written Dear Galatians when he launches in, I am astonished that you have deserted the gospel. And then a chapter or so in, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And then towards the end, as he's wrapping it all up, one of my favorites, see what large letters I am writing to you in my own hand. Okay, Paul, you get the point. We get the clear sense, the clear sense that something has gone wrong in Galatia and that something vitally important is at stake here. Here's what we think has happened. From the text of the letter, we can tell that some group of people have come to the churches in Galatia and tried to undo the work that Paul has done. Paul is moving at a good clip, breathlessly proclaiming a gospel of grace and freedom. In Jesus Christ, God has done everything needed to reconcile humanity and God. In Jesus Christ, God has done nothing less than birth an entirely new creation, setting the whole world free from everything that does us harm. In our baptism into Christ's life, death, and resurrection, the barrier of the Spirit of Christ has come to dwell in us. The old barriers that used to separate us from God and from each other, they're gone. Everything is new. Everyone is welcome. Good, good, good news. But not everyone agrees with Paul. And when he leaves town, there's this group of people following Paul around, preaching something different, trying to add back in some of the old rules, the law. You still, you really still need to follow the dietary requirements. The male members of your families, they, they, they still need to be circumcised. They are setting the barriers higher and higher and higher for folks to be welcomed in. They say when it comes to being loved as God's own, there are still some things that you need to do to get it right. And the Galatians seem to be sliding into the seeming clarity of these rules. In response, alongside those angry outbursts, Paul says this. In Christ, there is no division. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, no male or female, no slave or free. We are all one in Jesus Christ. Everyone is welcome. Paul writes, the only thing that counts, the only thing is faith expressing itself in love. What counts is new creation. He writes in today's scripture, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Why is Paul so angry? Because these folks he loves are turning their backs on freedom. They're yoking themselves to rules that keep some people in and others out. 
They're boxing others out from a full experience of God's abundant grace and love for us in Jesus Christ. In his letter to the Galatians, why is Paul so angry? Because they are turning their backs on freedom. Why would anyone do that? Well, here's the thing about freedom. Sometimes freedom can be untidy. Rules may constrain, but they do come with order. If you follow these rules, you know you're on the right track. For the Galatians, if your men are circumcised, you're in, and if not, you're out. You know where you stand, and importantly, you know where others stand. Freedom. Freedom leaves so much, maybe too much, up to us. A little too much uncertainty, and we don't trust ourselves or others. There's, there's got to be a rule. There's a part of us wants a rule. On this Pride Sunday, I'm thinking of the work that I and so many others have done for marriage equality. Those who disagreed said, but there's a rule. There's a definition of marriage. It's between one man and one woman. Uh, read the Bible, although that's not really what the Bible says. It's how it's always been. And the order of our society depends on that there is a rule. But that rule kept us for far too long from the freedom that honors and celebrates the broad diversity of how folks meaningfully create families that love and sustain us in the whole of life. Now to be clear, it's not just other people who want a rule. So many times during COVID, I found myself just wanting a rule. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. In the first days of the pandemic, the rules were clear. Stay in your house, put your masks on whenever you go out, wash your hands, keep six feet of distance. In a world where so much was unknown, the rules let me feel like I could do something. Something to protect myself and those I love and those who surround me in community. Now, two years into the pandemic, absolute rules like that no longer make sense. We know more. We've made progress. We have vaccines. Absolute rules like that, though clear, would actually restrict us from meaningfully living out the whole of life. So we have guidance, the wisdom of health professionals, and as we move through life, we have the freedom to figure out how we'll best move through pandemic. I'm just back from that lengthy trip, and I'll say what you already know. Figuring out how to live in a risky world day to day, that is hard. I thought European nations would have it all together, but I got on the Paris metro and hardly anyone was wearing a mask. We had to figure out what we would do. Would we mask? No one else was. Would we find other transportation? Would we only eat outside, which felt a bit safer, or would we venture in? When would I use those COVID tests I had packed? How might our decisions impact others, particularly those who are immunocompromised? Risk was everywhere. And so was life. And there we were, figuring out things as we went along. Same as here. And actually, that's probably how life has always been. 
We're always figuring out life as we go along, trying to live an imperfect life well. Evaluating our options, the world around us, assessing the risks and the benefits and doing the best we can. COVID just has made that more evident. Can't we just have a rule? Freedom can be untidy, uncertain, and sometimes even scary. And here's another thing. Freedom comes with responsibility. The Apostle Paul is clear, the freedom we have in Christ is not the freedom to do anything we want. It's not utter anarchy. It is for freedom Christ has set you free. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery, but Paul goes on through love, become slaves to each other. What on earth does that mean? The freedom we find in Christ is a specific freedom. It's not only freedom from all the things that constrain us, it is freedom for. Freedom to live for the freedom and well-being of others. We talked about that some last summer. Paul goes through the list. It's not freedom to be licentious or quarreling or envious. It's freedom for the well-being of others. All those rules, he says, they can be summed up in one principle, one command, love. Love your neighbor as yourself. The freedom that we find in Christ is freedom for love. The freedom to live lives of love for the well-being of others in all creation. And in this type of freedom, this freedom for in Christ, we are not alone. Throughout the season of Easter, we talked about the experience of the new creation we find in resurrection. At Pentecost, we experience that new creation alive in us by the power of the Spirit of Christ. This freedom of which the Apostle Paul writes is the freedom to live in and by the power of the Spirit of Christ alive in us. And what takes root in that kind of life, what comes to life, the fruit of life in and by and through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Generosity, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control against such things, there is no law. Our worship theme as we move into the summer is living an imperfect life well. That theme takes as a given that life is imperfect, and so are we. So we can all take a deep breath. We live complicated lives in a complex world. As Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie write in their book, A Good Enough Life, 40 ish Devotions for a Life of Imperfection, they write, We are fragile. And so is everyone else. Life will break our heart, and there's nothing wrong with us if we know that. We're made for interdependence, and our imperfect, ordinary lives can be holy. As we begin the summer series, let's just say this. The first step toward living an imperfect life well is leaning into grace. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom to live by the power of the Spirit alive in us. Freedom to figure out together how to live our imperfect lives well. Freedom to live lives that come to embody love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. 
Now we can't talk about freedom on this day without talking about the blow to freedom that we've experienced in this nation this week. On Friday, the United States Supreme Court reversed Roe v. Wade. On Thursday, women had a constitutional right to reproductive choice. And on Friday, that constitutional right no longer existed. We'll talk more about that next Sunday after that's had some time to register and sink in. We'll talk about it more as we reflect on the weekend of Independence Day on how we live our life of faith within the constitutional framework of this nation. But today, today we name the grieving. So broadly and deeply felt it has come with that loss of constitutional freedom and what it will mean for all women, and particularly women with crisis pregnancies, as states already are automatically triggering laws with absolute rules that have no regard even for the life or health of the mother. How will we live our lives of freedom in response to that? And not only that, in our own lives, in our, own, in our life together, we know that over the past few weeks, life has come with challenges near to our hearts. We have sustained loss. There are those we love who are ill, some healing from injury, some recovering from surgery, some preparing for surgery. We continue through COVID and we celebrate new life as Lindsay McClurg and Malcolm celebrate the birth of a grandchild. In the big movements of our day and in the intimate moments of our lives found together in law, how will we live this imperfect life As we move into the coming week, I want to offer a practice, a spiritual practice, and it has two parts. It's very straightforward. First, I invite you to memorize the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And if you're not up for memorizing, that's fine. Write them down or print them up and put them somewhere where you'll see them throughout the day. And then... Each day this week, pick one. Or you could pick one for the whole week. Pick one part of the fruit of the Spirit and ask, how will I live this out today? Gentleness. How will I live that out today? Generosity. How will I embody that? And then carry that word as your prayer throughout the day, a prayer that can come to life in you by the power of the Spirit of Christ alive in you. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul is angry because something important is at stake. The freedom we have in Christ to live by the power of our spirit, our imperfect lives in ways that bless and heal the world. And so he writes in large letters, it is for freedom Christ has set you free. Don't enslave yourselves or others ever again. No, 
love. In the new creation embrace, these imperfect lives were given to live in this imperfect world and live for love. Live for freedom. Lean into grace, and what will flourish in you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. What matters? What matters is faith expressing itself in love. Friends, as we um, begin our thought about how we, how we live these imperfect lives well, um, one of the great blessings that God gives us is the opportunity to come to God in prayer. To sit and to bring to God the concerns of our heart and then also in the quiet to listen to God. So we'll pray as we've been praying um, in song and in silence and in words. So let's go to God in prayer.